0: Well, i got to be honest with you, I'm a little overwhelmed. And a lot of times, whenever the Lord takes me to tears, I try hard to stop the tears. But you know what? I'm not going to be ashamed of the tears that my Father has given me. Because in one sense... There was mourning and weeping over this nation. But then there's tears of joy. That there's a day coming that we will sing holy, holy, holy as the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And even as I began to just weep and just became overwhelmed with the presence of God in the last 15 minutes... This morning we're going to be walking through some scripture that many of you probably know, but we're going to just really dissect it this morning. And it even says in the scripture, in verse 4, and I wasn't planning on even going into it, but Paul says to Timothy in verse 4, 2 Timothy chapter 1, I just want to share this and then we're going to pray and get started. But it says, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. I didn't know the Lord was going to take me into a time of weeping before Him. But I'm going to ask you this morning that as we seek the Lord and allow Him just to wash over us, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of what God wants to speak to you and what He wants to say to you in your life. And if it leads you to a point of even during the message that God brings you to the altar to pray, don't be ashamed of that. If it brings you to the point of just weeping right there in your seat or even kneeling in your chair to pray to the King of kings and Lord of lords, I pray that you would not be ashamed of what God is doing in your heart and in your mind. This morning, I want to start with, as I've always started in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Or chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. My life verse that I promised the Lord I would recite and pray and speak over as I preach. It says, My message and my preaching are not in persuasive words of wisdom, but the demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith would not rest on me, but it would rest on God, on the power of God. And so this morning as we go into this time, I'm just going to be honest with you, there's a lot this morning that the Lord has given me. My wife and children have been gone since Thursday, which means I've had 48 hours of quietness (laughs) and the scripture. And I have to really make sure that I shoot an arrow this morning, precisely what the Lord wants to speak We're only going through nine verses, but those nine verses could take five hours. And so in all seriousness, I ask the Lord just to speak through and allow your words to come forth this morning. And so let's just go to the Lord and pray. God, open up our eyes to see you high and lifted up. God, touch our lips with the coals. We may be cleansed. Hear your voice. Lord, direct my tongue this morning to speak exactly what you have for us. And allow us to comprehend and hear what you have, oh God. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. As I said, this is a scripture that many of you all have probably heard, maybe even memorized, verse 7. Where it says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind, or self-discipline. But we want to really just chew on this this morning. As the Lord gave it to me and showed me, and just began to just, just pull that cord of what he's done through this. This is a loaded passage. Not that all scripture is, it's all loaded. But this next nine verses is so powerful. And so, I want to start just by reading, starting in verse three. It says, "I thank my God, whom I serve with a clear conscience. The way my forefathers did is I constantly remember you in prayer night and day. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Paul shares to timothy i I serve God with a clear conscience, even just there this morning." The question is, Is are you coming in here with a conscience that's clear, ready to hear God's voice? If not, then I would challenge you to stop right where you're at in your seat and seek God and lay it down. Because you will not hear anything else that will be spoken if you come in here with things that are on your heart. That are keeping you and hindering your ears to be open to God's voice. And so if you're in that situation... I, For you, I would ask you just to stop and seek God. In verse 4, Longing to see you even as I recall your tears, that I may be filled with joy. And that verse just took on a whole new meaning for me in the last 15 minutes. Verse 5, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Louise and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is... In you as well. You know, as I read that scripture, that's a legacy, three generations of loving the Lord faithfully. And I just want to tell y'all, I got a little choked up in my study because there's several of you in this room right here that I could replace grandmother and mother and place your name in there. My mother. As I was driving with her from my grandmother's house. And we were connecting from I-10 to I-65. A very natural connection that many of you have probably done in your car a hundred times. If not some of you even come in here today. Through my mom the Lord spoke to me. And I prayed to receive Christ right there at that intersection. For me it was the intersection of my life. But my mom's faithfulness. To share the gospel. To love me. With the power of Christ and the love of Christ at that moment, it changed my life. And so as I study and I read this scripture, and Paul is is just basically praising and saying that I've known the legacy of faith in in your family. And I look amongst even the crowd this morning and I think to myself, many of you, and serving God... And allowing God to infiltrate through your life is one of the reasons why I'm here even today speaking and presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I thank you. In verse 6, it says, For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in in you through the laying on of my hands. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all... Did your mother or father ever remind you of things? Y'all all chuckle because you can think of things instantly. I thought of a few last night. David, remember to always look both ways before you cross the street. Maybe a few of y'all have recited that to um, your children. David, don't ever remember, don't ever talk to strangers. Now, now it's changed a little bit uh, as there's a lot of people that I come in contact with that I just can't wait to share the gospel with. But as a little kid, they always reminded me and reminded me. Why? Because they knew what could happen to me. David, remember that eating candy before dinner will do what? Spoil your appetite. I never found that to be true. And I don't think my kids have either. I began to think about why did, why did my parents remind me of these things? Why do I tell my, my four-year-old daughter and even my less than two-year-old son over and over and over and over reminding him? It's because dad loves him and loves her so much that he wants them to remember so that they will not find themselves in harm's way. It's a port, part of us of protecting and trying to protect our kids. Because even eating candy and not eating supper can ultimately harm you. If that's all you do is eat that, then you're going to, and you never eat supper, you're not going to get the, the, the energy and the nutrition. So even the silly things. And so as I looked at verse 6, I realized in my heart that what God is saying through Paul is this. Hey, Timothy, remember Timothy, remember. Timothy, remember. Why? Because he understands that if he forgets, he can go into complacency, which will ultimately harm him. And what is he to remember? Let's put that verse back up on the screens. And today we're going to really just chew on some scripture. So in verse 6 he says, Remember, remind you to kindle kindle afresh the gift of God. The gift of God that was given to you. Paul's saying, Hey, like like basically take fire and and put some oxygen on it and it grows. And he's saying, Hey, I want you to kindle this in your heart. I want to kindle it in your heart and I want you to remember the gifting that God's given you. And then in verse 7, here's the verse that many of you know. He reminds him what God's given him. For God has not given us. Us, as in Paul and Timothy, so we can put ourselves in this situation. God has not given us a spirit of timidity or of fear, but of power, love, and of discipline. The the word there, discipline, is actually self-discipline, self-control, right? That's what it means in the Greek there. And so we usually take this scripture in verse 7, and we begin to, to... use this scripture as really our our main focus on teaching about don't fear. Right? I've even preached a message about don't fear and used 1 Timothy 2, verse 7. But the Lord began to show me something the other night. The very next word in verse 8 says, therefore. And when you see the word therefore, come on, y'all help me. What's the therefore, therefore? Man, y'all are learning. I love it. And so let's go back to verse 7 and let's kind of just chew on this for a second. God has not given us a spirit of fear. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, he tells us to be strong, courageous, and do not fear. It says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Matthew chapter 10, 28. I love this verse. It says, fear not. Don't be afraid of those that can hurt you. That can take away your life. Do we have, there we go. Matthew 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear who, him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Man. We just prayed, God, restore the fear of God to this nation. Do I need to grab a handheld? Is it back on? I'm going to bring this up just in case. That scripture right there tells us exactly what we need to know. God hasn't given us a fear of people who can take this life because we've already given it to God as we've shared. And now we've given it to God to use for his glory and for his kingdom. And we need to trust him in that. So God's telling us in Matthew chapter 10, don't be afraid of people who can simply just take the outer shell away from you. But I would fear the one who can take soul and body. And that's what we want people in America to see. God hasn't given me, as a believer in Christ, a spirit of fear. And when I understand, and I fear the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind, I love Him with all my heart, soul, and mind, and I trust Him with who I am, I don't fear what somebody can do to me. I don't fear what man brings after me. Because I know that my body and who I am has been given to God as an offering, do as you please your glory and for your kingdom. So in that scripture, we see that God has not given us fear, but what has he given us? He's given us power. One of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible is Matthew chapter 28, verses 18, 19 and 20. And many of us know 19 and 20, but we really got to make sure we see verse 18 to understand 19 and 20. Verse 18 says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. That doesn't say half authority, 99% authority. It says all authority has been given to me here in heaven or in heaven and on earth. And then he says, go and make disciples, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is with us as we go with the power and the authority that he has, that he's given us. God hasn't given us fear. He's given us power. Oh, by the way, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, come on. It's the same power that said, Lazarus, hey, get up. Now, if that happened today... Some of y'all would be shaken a little bit. I would be too. It's the same power that, that we watch miracle after miracle take place. It's, it's the same power that God's placed in our lives. In Psalm sixty two eleven, it says, Once God has spoken, twice I've heard this, the power belongs to God. If you're sitting there struggling, praying for our nation in this election coming up, just remember Psalm 62, 11. The power belongs to God. We're, we're praying about voting to give power to somebody in this nation. But let me just tell you, power and authority, it belongs to God and God alone. And that should give you peace. The next thing God has given us is Love. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. It says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The second is like it. and It talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. In verse 39, The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In verse 40, it says that that these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. God's called us to build the foundation of who we are on the love of Christ and loving people. Let me just tell you something. Myself's not in there. The two greatest commandments says, love God, love people. Now I'm not saying that we don't Uh, pour into us. We don't study the scriptures. I'm not saying that we don't uh, love us as a person as in like making sure that we are studying and and finding ourselves approved. But the scripture tells us that the love of the Father is going to overflow through our life to love people. And Paul tells Timothy, hey you've got the spirit of power, of love and then he says of self-discipline. In Titus 2 11 through 14, <coughs> excuse me. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope of the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. It says that he's given us, we are to deny unrighteousness. Deny it. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, and if you want to write that down, look it up later, it talks about us continually self-disciplining ourselves. Well, let's just read it. It says, thanks be to God for the incredible gift. Is this the right? Did I give you the right scripture there? 2 Corinthians 9 24 through 27. Well, it talks about us self disciplining ourselves to be able to use our body for the glory of the King. So, this being said, if God's given us a spirit of self discipline, if God's given us the ability to Be under self control in our life, then that means we have no excuse about saying that our priorities and saying that we're too busy to get in the Word of God. If He's given us the spirit of being able to discipline ourselves in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we should not say, David, I'm just too busy, I can't pray. We should not say, David, I'm just too busy. I don't have time to get in the Word. David, I'm just too busy. I can't make it to Wednesday night to hear the gospel being preached or Sunday morning or being involved in a local body of believers. It is all about seeking the Holy Spirit and making priorities that are in line with bringing glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And Paul says to Timothy, hey, remember these things. Remember that God's given you power, love, love, and a sound mind. Therefore, I love this. So let's go to verse 8 in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony. In light of this immeasurable blessing, the apostle was saying to Timothy, he has no reason to be ashamed of the testimony of God. In light of the fact that God has given him a spirit. A power, love, and a sound mind. He has no reason to be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or Paul who is in prison, or his prisoner, excuse me. But join with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. You know, too often we talk, we just kind of, we kind of teach on fear and we leave it there. Don't fear, don't fear. But what I think that the Lord wants us to see today is the depth of the scripture, Yes, we should not fear. There is no fear in us when we trust God with all of our heart, soul, and mind except for the fear of the Father who can take away, yes, our life and our soul as it talked about in Matthew. But when we allow and understand that God has given us a spirit of love, a power, and sound mind, then what are we to do? Not be ashamed of the testimony and begin to suffer for the kingdom of God as it says in verse 8. So let's think about this for a second. Do not be ashamed of what? What does he say not to be ashamed of? The testimony of our Lord. Now as I was studying this and just chewing on it, I began to think about this. It doesn't say the testimony of Timothy. It doesn't say the testimony of Paul. Ultimately, the testimony of anybody is that Jesus saves you or saved you, right? Right? I I don't like it when people say, I don't have a good testimony. Or I don't like it when people say, man, my testimony is incredible. you got to hear it talking about what they went through. Because both needed the blood of the lamb. And only the sacrifice of Jesus is what took them to be able to cross over from death to life. I don't care how bad you were on a social scale. Your testimony is this. Jesus died on the cross. For your sins shed his blood for you. He was raised on the third day, praise God. And because our eyes were open to see Christ as our Lord and Savior, my life has been reborn in Christ. That that Satan has stolen from me through sin, God renewed in me and allowed me to be reborn because of the blood of Jesus. That's our testimony. I don't know about y'all, I'm getting excited. Because here's the thing, when I think about my testimony, when I think about what God's done in my life, hey, I was a sinner destined to hell. Like, I was apart from God. I had nothing. I was dead, like dead, like, like this wood here, can't do anything, dead, done. But God loved me. And he sent his son. Whew. I mean, think about that for a second, church. He loved you. And he sent his son. You're sitting in here today rejoicing in the name of Jesus because of what God did through Jesus on the cross. And so what did Paul say not to be ashamed of? Paul said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Testimony in the Greek means the evidence of. This is so cool to me. So Paul tells Timothy, don't be ashamed of the te- of the evidence of our lord well according to the scripture where is this found in verse 7 it talks about the spirit that god's given us in us so the evidence of our lord that we're not to be ashamed of is to be coming forth from our life let's look at that again let me just kind of share that with you it says don't be ashamed of the testimony or the evidence of our lord And verse 7 said that it was the Spirit of God that's in us, that He's given us of love, power, and sound mind. And so Paul is telling Timothy right here, he's saying, hey, don't be ashamed of the evidence of our Lord that's coming forth from your life. But let me ask you this question. Therefore, what are we to do? Number one, we're not supposed to be ashamed, but the question is this is the evidence of the risen king coming from your life? Because if the evidence of the risen king is not coming from your life, then my question to you is this, then what are you to be ashamed of anyways? It says in Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16, it says that we're the light of the world. It says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way they see your good works and they glorify your Father who is in heaven. Guys, we and ladies, we are called to let our light shine. The evidence of Christ is in our life by the renewing of who we are, by bringing us from death to life, by the transformation and sanctification process that's taking form in our life. God has do, is doing what? He's showing the evidence of Christ through us and we are not to be ashamed. This morning, God told me, don't be ashamed of crying. Hey, let me tell you something. And I would proclaim this to the world, but I don't really have a microphone that big. But I am not ashamed, and I will not step back. I am not ashamed of being a bond servant of the Most High God, and I make no apologies about it. This Bible right here is the Word of God. It's infallible, and I will never step back from believing that. And I am not ashamed of it. But listen, when we are not ashamed of the gospel, and we stand forth, and and truth and evidence is coming forth from our life, look at what Paul says in the middle of verse 8. He says, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. So what are we to do? Therefore, we have this in our life. So therefore, what are we to do? Number one is not be ashamed. Number two... It's a joy in the suffering. Now I want you to see, there's many scriptures, because I've talked about suffering several times. James chapter 1, 2 through 4, and, and you can write that down. But consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It also says in the Beatitudes, Matthew five eleven. it says, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Hey, when the evidence of Jesus Christ is coming forth from your life, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be in direct contrast to the world. And they ain't going to like it. You know why? You don't have to say a word. And your life being so transformed by the gospel, they're going to be convicted of who they are. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the question is this when they get to the point and they see the difference in your life, they have one of two options. Either, well, one of three options. They can walk away from it. They can see it and fall on their face and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and their life be transformed. And they cross over to death from death to life as well. Or they can try to shut you up. But you know what? My my prayer is that they come to know Christ. But no matter what takes place, I'm not ashamed. And if they try to shut me up, I'm going to keep standing strong. And I'm going to keep speaking the gospel. Because it's the only thing that's truth. It's the only thing that won't come back void. And so therefore, what are we to do? We're to not be ashamed. We're to join in the suffering. And it says in there, it says in the power, according to the power of God, it says in uh, uh, verse 8, the very last thing, according to the power of God. And as I was chewing on that and just seeking the Lord, the Lord showed me that when we go through suffering, it's his power that sustains us. It's his strength. You say, David, I just don't know if I can go through this type of suffering that I see on, on the news. And, you know, I just kind of got rid of cables. So I don't know what's going on right now. It's great. It's awesome. Um, not trying to tell you what to do. But it's awesome for me. And so I'm sitting there, and I don't really know what's going on. But I do know that there's suffering out there. And I know that Christians are being persecuted. But here's what I've learned is this. <laughs> Excuse me. That whatever suffering God takes us through, he's going to give us the strength to make it through it. Even if it's to the point of death. So you say, David, I just don't know if I could handle some of the suffering that I see people going through. Listen, God is sufficient through it. Let me just show you 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 through 25. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor has deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds we were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. God will give us the strength to walk through it. Just as Jesus had the strength to go to the cross and to take our sins on the cross, God will give us the strength if suffering comes into our life. Then the third thing God tells us to do. Therefore, because of what he's given us, what are we to do? Not be ashamed? Join in the suffering in verse 8. And then I want you to jump all the way to verse 11. It says, For which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. I believe that God's called us to preach the gospel. I believe God's called us to take the gospel to the nation. Now, I don't want to skip 9 and 10, because these are incredible, deep verses. And really, verse 10 tells us what we are to preach. It says in verse 10, but now has been revealed in the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So what are we to preach? We're to preach the gospel. That God has given us life for those who believe in Him as their Lord and Savior. And you know, too often we think of life and we just take it as okay life as in like my heart beating right now but the life that God has given us is eternal life i believe it starts the moment that we believe in christ as our lord and savior because nothing can take away my eternal life in christ we were reborn on a spiritual level our eyes were reborn our our our, our hearts were reborn we were born again it can never be taken away from us. And the question is, are we preaching that and sharing that with the world? Paul says, hey, you've been given a spirit of power, dynamite power. You've been given a spirit of love. You've been given a spirit of self-control. So don't be ashamed of the evidence of Christ in your life. He says, don't, uh, to go forth and share the gospel. And he says, don't be afraid of suffering. And to suffer on behalf of Christ. It says in verse 9. And I know we're going backwards here. But I want to go back to verse 9. It says. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. And according to our. Not according to our works. But according to his purpose and grace. Which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. This is huge. I could stop here and we could be here for the next hour, but I don't have time. This is absolutely huge. You need to circle this verse. You need to understand this verse. It says, He saved us and He called us with a holy calling. And here's the part you need to underline. Not according to our works. God has a purpose and a plan for each one of our lives. And we don't need to sit there and say, well, I've earned this position or I've gotten to this position. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And it's not according to to what we've made of ourselves. It's according to his calling and his purpose. When God puts people in places of position, or whether he puts you at a job, wherever it be. See, our society says that there's levels of position. And really, it's all about the more people that you have under you or around you, the higher the, the like social, like, look at what, where I've gotten. But God says, no, that's not who I am. It's not according to your works or what you've done. It's according to the calling. And then it says, to his own purpose and grace, granted us in Christ Jesus for all eternity. Here's the beautiful thing about it. Since God's called us and God's equipped us, what are you worried about? It's his calling, and he's equipped you. You say, how's he equipped you? He's given you the Holy Spirit of promise, right? Isn't that what verse 7 talks about? Isn't that what God's given you? And too often I see believers that will say, David, I'm just not, like, like I want to I get to this, or I want to get to that, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. And I say, well, what has God called you to do with your life? Have you sat there and got on your face and said, God, show me where you want me to be. And when you're there, you're going to have peace that surpasses all understanding. I'll tell you, I'll just real briefly, I'm chasing a rabbit here, but I have several friends that I mentor and disciple that are coming into the profession of full-time ministry. And some of them will tell me that they believe that they're supposed to be a head pastor. And I'm like, "That's, that's awesome if that's where God's calling you and they look at me and they're like, "Well, but I got to I got to start here and I got to do this and I got to do that." And I said, "Well, well, why don't you get on your face and ask God where what he wants you and where he wants you to be?" Sometimes they're looking at this, "I got to work this system to get here, to get to this position or that place." And they've missed in the idea of trying to get to a place or a position, they've missed where God wants them right now in this moment. And let me tell you something, that doesn't just happen with pastors. I can tell you in my own life, all the way up until about, about a year ago, my heart was just 100% just full youth ministry. Never would have dreamed that I would be an associate pastor. But when the Lord had prepared me and put me where he wanted me to be, my heart changed like that. And it was the Lord. Lord. And so I challenge people, pastors, I challenge people that are in the marketplace wherever you're at. Seek God. He's got a calling for you and a place for you to be. And he's going to equip you. And so there's nothing to worry about. He's giving you the place and he's equipped you. So run with it. Follow the Lord. Now you say, David, why do you you go through all this for us? Let's go to share the gospel. I do want to go back to Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. In 19, it says, go and make disciples. We're making disciples. Why? Because Christ is in our life. We're sharing what God's given to us. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, one of my favorite verses in Scripture says this. It says that what you've heard in the, in the, the presence of faithful men, share, in the presence of many witnesses, share that and trust it with faithful men that they are able to teach others also. That is four generations of discipleship right there. Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy sharing it with faithful men. Faithful men sharing it with other people. God has called us to do that because he has the Holy Spirit that's living in us and going forth through us. And you can write down Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 and check it out when you get home. Because we don't have the time to go through it. But God's called all of us to do different things in order to edify, to bring forth the growing up of of, of the body into unity. So I read all of this, and here's what the Lord wants you to hear today. Remind the people that I've gifted them. I've given them the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have the power of God inside of you. You have the love of the Father inside of you. You have the ability to be self-disciplined. You say, David, I can't wake up early in the morning. Yeah, you can. I promise you, you can. If I can, you can. I promise. You say, I I can't do that. I, I just can't. David, I just... God wants you to remember, remind you, a kindle afresh, the fact that you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit that He's blessed you with so that you will go forth and do the ministry that He's called you to, not being ashamed Not being afraid, even if it comes to suffering, to go forth. And in closing, I have to read this out of verse 12. So Paul then closes to Timothy, or he shares this with Timothy. For this reason I, Paul, also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed. For I know who I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. That scripture right there is the glue to the whole thing. Paul says, hey, everything I just told you, that's me, and I'm not ashamed. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm suffering for the kingdom of God. I'm going forth, and and I'm not ashamed of Christ coming forth from my life. I'm not ashamed of what God does. And he says, let me tell you why I'm not ashamed, because I don't care what people in this world do to me. I know who I've trusted in. I know who my God is. And I know who my king is. I know who my savior is. And he's reigning on high. He was raised from the dead on the third day. He saved my life. And I've entrusted him with my life. I've entrusted him and I know that he can guard it until that day. And I am convinced Hey, let me tell you something. Everything I just shared with you will not truly impact your life if you are not convinced that he is the king of kings and that he loves you with an agape love. So this morning, do you remember the gift that God's given you? You've got power. The power of Christ. Do you remember that God's called you to missions? God's called you in this city for the gospel. I pray that every time you see me outside of the city, you see the same smile on my face that you see when I'm up here at the pulpit. You want to know why? Because I still serve God outside these doors. And my God didn't change from the fact that I just walked 100 yards outside of a building. My God's still reigning. And I want the world to know it. I want the nation to see it. I want the nation to fall on their face and see the same God who changed my life. He'll change yours too. But are you convinced? Are you truly convinced? So this morning what we're going to do is we're going we're to have a time of prayer. Maybe the Lord's just calling you to pray for this nation. Maybe the Lord's calling you just to get on your face and remember the fact that he's gifted you. You've been sitting there listening to the lie of the evil one too long, saying, saying you're not worthy. You, you can't do that. Hey, let me tell you something. You can't do it. God can do it through you. Maybe you've heard the, the evil one say to you, hey, listen, you're not good enough. That calling God's given you is way bigger than anything you could ever do. You're right. But he's equipped me. Today, I want you to remember. Because if you don't remember, you'll find yourself in complacency, running from the truth of the gospel to the lie of the evil one. And let me tell you something the lie of the evil one is meant to kill, steal, and destroy you. I want you to remember. I don't want you to be ashamed. Paul understood as he mentored Timothy, he reminded Timothy to a kindle afresh the gift that God's given you. Maybe today you need to just get on your face and say, God, akindle kindle it. God, let your, your, your breath just blow on the fire in my life and just let it just ignite. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where each person in this room is. But as we take this time in prayer and as we take this time together, let's listen to God. And I pray that nobody walks out of here ashamed of crisis in their life.